This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by ComicBookClick.com. That's it, people. ComicBookClick.com is the one stop for all things Comic Book Click, our merchandise, our articles, and every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Visit ComicBookClick.com and remember, you, yes, you are worthy. Everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am never alone, sir, please introduce yourself. I am Dan of the Comic Books of Man. Dan of the Comic Books of Man is here, and he's here for a wondrous occasion. I would so say. A wonderful occasion. First of all, you know, all props. We have gone, we are, we, we are reaching the precipice of this hell spawn of a year. And I just want to thank everyone who has followed everything with Comic Book Click and Major Issues. Last week, we did our third annual. We had everybody on the show. It was amazing. I'm seeing the numbers. I see you guys dig it. Um just another i'm gonna do it again next week but another thanks for helping us get through um this year for you know all the clickers out there but next week we have an unprecedented occasion we have a movie that was slated to go to you know a feature film that was slated to go to theaters all over the world you know hoping to gross like its predecessor over 800 million worldwide uh has now been um, what sent to HBO Max Wonder Woman 1984 as announced I want to say what a month ago um, is now coming to us on streaming and it'll be free yeah it's been about a month now yeah. it's been said that it's going to be free yeah and so it's like I like I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words the, Marvel was supposed to drop Black Widow this year and we still yet to hear what's going to happen with that. I think it's got moved to May of next year, throwing the whole timeline off. And I guess DC couldn't wait. I know that uh, Gal and Patty Jenkins got sizable bonuses for allowing the film to go on HBO Max. But other directors have not been getting such sweet deals. And they have been very vocal about how they feel about their uh, Warner Brothers products going to HBO Max. But uh, we don't know yet what this what this is going to mean for the future of streaming, what this is going to mean for the future of comic book television shows. But with Wonder Woman 1984 right around the corner, it felt apropos to go back to the first time we were introduced to this live action Wonder Woman. Go back to a simpler time, 2017, <laughs> where people used to eat indoors and shake each other's hands and cough in each other's faces all willy nilly with no regard for anything. This uh, this was back in the day where, when you would see two two young boys spit in their hand and shake each other's hand, it wasn't looked at as oh my god they're gonna die. It no, it's friendship. As, it was friendship. You it know, whatever happened to days where we could spit into each other's hand and shake it. Right. And even though we got this movie last year, oh not last year, three years ago. Sorry, we won the woman. Um, this is a character that's been around for decades, and this is a movie that uh. You know, has been in development since 1996. 
with Ivan Reitman supposed to be producing and possibly oh, directing. Oh, hell yes <laughs> and hell no at the same time. If you, I, That's something I will say to a lot of people. But there are certain people that just make sense but don't make sense at the exact same <laughs> it's the it's the right. Schrodinger's filmmaker. Okay, I can see that. Ivan Ivan Reitman, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who don't know that has made Ghostbusters Evolution in the early two thousands with David Duchovny and, and Orlando Brown. Like this man has made good films when he's on point, but when he's not, Lord. Ah, so Lord, it could be a real Lord, a real Lord. hit or a miss. It would have it would have been the hit of misses. It would it would have one of the most divisive fan bases since the Star Wars prequels. Uh oh, yeah, that yeah, we see how well that's that's happening. And in nineteen and in nineteen ninety six, with the way the nineties are running, where like half of it was PC culture, half of it was still coming off of the nineties, the eighties machismos, like. It it would oh man, and then seeing Justice League from ninety seven, right? Like what last week? Oh right, right, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> like, like oh my god, like other, it would have uh, been sorry, been no, crazy. I was gonna say other names that were attached at the time or at the various times that this thing has been in development hell um, were uh, John Cohen, nice. uh, Todd Alcott, Alcott, who I am unfamiliar with, and Josh Whedon. Same. Who See, has a great relationship, right, with Wonder Woman of today? Well, <laughs> uh, <and> Patty <laughs> Jenkins, you know, so that's that's fantastic there. Um, but you know, when push came to shove, Warner Brothers announced that the film was going to happen definitely for real, for real, for real. This time, <laughs> they announced they made that announcement in 2010, and five years later, Patty Jenkins signed on to direct in 2015 off of Monster, I believe, right? Yep. And that was Good the old, only feature film she did. Theron. Yeah, it was, and it was crazy because it was a, it was like a drama thriller, right? But it's still, still, if you want to look at it like through like stylistic choices, it was still a very, a strong independent, take no nonsense from anyone type of woman, right? Like even if it is the opposite end of the spectrum, it was still a, a strong woman, right? And yeah. so, um. Inspiration for this Wonder Woman film was drawn from Wonder Woman creator William Moulton Marston and his crazy life uh, and his stories oh, from the 1940s. I can't believe that that is the man that created this. Yeah. And yeah, how he had a wife and a mistress. I'm not going to front. I, I'm still to this day. I feel like that is the one film like that we could get away with watching and covering. Oh, what's this called? Mr. Isn't it? It's, like it's, Mr. it's Professor Professor Martin Martinson. Yeah, Martin Professor Martinson and the Wonder Women. <laughs> hmm. And the cover is Lucas Evans in the middle of both his wife slash coworker and mistress. That's ridiculous. That were both of literally the inspiration for Diana Prince as his, if I'm not mistaken, because I've only seen it once. And when it came out, I saw it. Right. His his mistress was the, feet, the visual design of Diana Prince. Yes. So Diana Prince that was drawn in those days, that's what his mistress looked like. Right. But everything as a personality wise of who Diana was, was his wife. Ah. The assertion, the strong will, that's the, not the weird no at all. nonsense. It 
It's so weird. That's not weird at all. Out of control. You know what? You know, I was I was gonna say now that you mentioned that, you know, maybe uh that could be something that we end up doing for our Patreon. Maybe we start to tackle some comic book tangential movies like Super. we could, oh my god, we could so do commentary on stuff like that. Uh, things that are um, not necessarily black and white comic, comic movies, book movies. Yeah. Not even things that are that are from comic books itself. We can go chronicle. Yeah, we've done a documentary before. You know, we did uh, oh, Bill, Bill Finger. The Bill Finger documentary. So, my not, man. you know, we've, we've done things like that before. But yeah, they took inspiration from the original writer's books. Uh, George Perez, who everyone knows, has a huge hand in the evolution of Wonder Woman, as well as the New 52 incarnation of the character, which makes sense because that was the most recent. Um, The film had its world release on May 15th of 2017, but it was released in the United States on June 2nd. It grossed over $821 million worldwide, making it the 10th highest grossing film. Could you imagine grossing $820 million worldwide and still being the 10th highest grossing film of 2017? Yeah. But it is the highest grossing film by a solo film, film, a female director. Ah, yes. Nice. So, a win-win-win. And I also think it's important for the fans to note everybody that this in fact was the first birthday that i ever celebrated with george the don this is true aka our host my man took me on a nice little bro date to go see wonder woman in theaters i was trying to romance you dan it was all for the, it was all for this it was all, for this. It was all to get you to work for free <laughs> and, and help me review these these comic books. You understand? Know he 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 sold me by taking me to see this. And we saw Lego Batman. We've seen you know, Deadpool too. The so. land of milk and honey. You know, we're trying to. We're trying and to... then he decided to take me to see, uh, you know, Dark Phoenix. And then I don't know that what was happened. It. There. That was it. It was a rocky, it was a rocky road ever since. But thank oh, God but we're talking a about a good. Lead. Yeah, thank yes. God we're talking about a good female-led superhero film. Uh, oh, one hundred percent. Let's get into this plot, uh, and while we do that, we'll you know pause at several points and talk about bigger things that I feel like this film was trying to tackle. Um, but our film opens up with Wayne Enterprises returning the picture of Wonder Woman with Steve and his merry men from uh, Batman vs. Superman. And as she stares at Steve's face, she begins to reminisce. I don't know if you remember this, but I said that this is exactly how the film was going to start. <laughs> I said yep. she would pull out the photo, she'd look at it, we'd yep. zoom in, and thus uh, we would start the film. And boom, we suddenly flash back to when Diana was a rambunctious and rebellious little girl who loved to watch and imitate the great warriors of Themyscira. Although, because she was the daughter of Queen Hippolyta, training would be forbidden. As the only child on the island, Hippolyta explains to her that war is nothing to hope for. And I think that that's a recurring theme in this, honestly. Uh, this idea that Diana sees people training and kind of sees the fun in it because there's no casualties. And thus, she, it's when sport. she's... Yeah, totally. It's sport, yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not militarized to her. To yeah. these women, they're training their entire lives for an inevitable war that they know is going to come, a war of man. Yes. To her... She's seeing all of these strong, empowered female. This is what's so perfect about a movie like this is because it's giving you a little girl 
who has these strong female role models to look up to, whether they're black or white, whether they have, you know, a, a long hair or short hair, that she still has a woman to look up to and see them as like competitors of, of wrestling. It's like a boy watching professional wrestling and wanting to grow up to be world champion and becoming world champion. But never worrying about like the injury or the toll on the body or anything. Like like Diana, I don't think is pretty cognizant of the of the um consequences. No. And like it's this. great because she she really doesn't have to be cognizant of the consequences. Yeah. That's, but the fact that's that fair. she isn't and not knowing that she will never have to be is still perfect storytelling and character development right then and there in the opening like five minutes of this book. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is this is the this is the best DCEU movie. No, truly. This is the no, this is one hundred percent hands down the best written, best structured, best character developed DCEU movie. This I think is Aquaman how you got kind of close. Story. I think Aquaman got kinda close. But yeah. Even Shaz- even Shazam was to me flawless, one hundred percent. Not mm-hmm. a boring moment. Everything was perfect. Even realistic characters. But if you want to know everything about a character within under twenty minutes, and it's their origin story, their first movie, turn to Wonder Woman. Whether man or female, turn to Wonder Woman. This movie in under twenty minutes gave you everything you need to know about this character. What did you think about Themyscira as a setting? Gorgeous, gorgeous, yo! Did what did um is um HBO Max starting 4K on their? <laughs> I believe it's uh, happening soon. If it hasn't happened already, it's it's, hap- it's it, that's what I'm saying. Did it happen already, or was it gonna be uh, Wonder Woman 84 that starts the 4K? Because if this is fucking 1080p on my phone, oh my god, Themyscira is gorgeous so green the landscape is lively and I, I was saying in my head it's like wow this is a, a is a country is a an island a culture untouched by i want to say man i don't know yeah, how else yeah. i can <laughs> no it, it I really, i'm sorry like i don't know how else i can put it but this is a, a a world untouched by man and it's and it it's so beautiful when you see the contrast of later when she comes into uh england and the, the color palette is gray. Everything is saturated yeah, and yeah. foggy. And she makes the comment, this is London? Right. Like, you know, like, Because <laughs> you, you get both the shots of her as a child with the camera panned up. Like it's a it's a show. It's like an, it's pointing up. And you see the green ivory and like uh, vines of all over the building of Demascara. Yeah. And then you get that same exact panel shot, but the smog and the and the dark. It's so crazy. Yeah. And even if you know that all of these women are warriors and fighting, like to train and prepare themselves, it's still fun to watch them have fun. Yeah, but they also look like warriors. Like there was a big, there was a lot to do about Justice League, which came out a couple months after this. Uh, between the designs of the uh, Amazons on both of those films, and I different. say Justice League dropped the ball with the fight of of um fucking Stephen Wolf yeah. and Demis- and Demascara in Justice League versus the Nazis and the Amazons in yeah. this movie. One hundred percent dropped the ball. Hundred percent dropped the ball. Yeah, I like I like when right, well, this moment here where 
um, they do the storytelling part, and it's this, it's these Greek paintings, almost right. And um, the moving, yeah, the moving paintings. Yeah, and Hippolyta is explaining, is trying to explain to her daughter that Zeus created mankind, and Ares, the god of war, aka Zeus's son, corrupted mankind, turning them against one another, continuing a cycle of war. The gods then created the Amazons to restore peace, but the peace didn't last. Uh, in a great battle, the Amazons and Zeus took on Ares and mankind, and Ares was struck down by his father. To make sure that Ares couldn't come back, or to make sure that if Ares came back, he would be defeated, Zeus left the Amazons with a weapon called the God Killer, which the queen shows Diana is a sword. And things have been quiet ever since. When you saw this, did you have any inclination that the sword may not actually be what they say. Yes. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Okay. When I first saw the movie. Yeah. And well, like when we first watched the movie, and it and it was revealed that she was the sword. Right. One hundred percent. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. But now, watching it now, knowing that she's the sword, I was paying attention to Hippolyta. Yeah. And when she asks, "Can I see the sword one day?" When young little Diana asks to see the sword, you see the the fucking shot is a close up on only the mother's face right. and she has that worried look perfect direction perfect directing by Brad Jenkins yeah perfect directing because it, it you hear that you hear the score and you see her face is getting sad and right. worried and me knowing what what the truth is it's like whoa it's, it's visual foreshadow yeah it's almost the beginning of the opening of this Pandora's box like we're already seeing how like even the the way that Diana is talking in this time is like her her energy, um, she's very curious and she doesn't seem to be willing to take simple answers at face value. And but we see what happens there. That's also something you've seen in a lot of these kid um, superhero type movies where yeah. they know that they're meant for more and destined for more, and they ask these questions and they get their worried, scared parents. That tell them otherwise. Yeah, but I'm trying to protect here, them. Uh, here's a here's another reason why I love Man of Steel. Now I'm going to bring this little segue in because Kevin Costner did tell him who he was. He told him the truth of what he was later, and gave him the choice. Later. But he still get no. As a there was a scene <laughs> where, where he, he where he showed he him the spaceship like, after he after he saved those children. Because he had no idea why or how he could have saved those kids, but he just did. Because his father never told him. Because his father didn't love him. Because Kevin Costner is a terrible father. <laughs> oh, so did Hippolyta love, not love Diana? Well, Hippolyta was scared. Like, it's weird. She fell in love with Diana as a woman, but Diana was sent there as a weapon. So she raised this weapon as a child, and the thought of this child being used in this war wasn't worth it for her. And Whereas... Go ahead. Good. No, good, good. no, I'm saying whereas, whereas the other guy fell out of the sky, whereas this other kid fell out of the sky like Brightburn and, uh, you know, Kent just wanted to hide him, but also was the same guy who took that um, that weird pincushion key to uh, some guy to get it studied, right? It's like I took it to some guy and, and he didn't know what it was. And how never got, like, you know, called, like, the fucking... It's a terrible man. He's a terrible man. Oh, let's talk about amazing women then. Yes. So, so I I personally love as far as like the uh, continuing this whole like the the God's weapon scene. Yeah. Uh, there was a there was a certain scene where 
her mother told her, but you're not like other Amazonians. Yes. And that right there should have been clue number two of who she was. Right. And, and it, like, oh, I, I mean, Hippolyta sees her with the sword when she leaves. So she must have just been like, oh, she'll find oh, out she when the, she gets over there. Yeah, but she, had the, she had the sword and the shield. and she Because at the end of the day, it's like she knew she couldn't stop her because, yes, she raised her. So by all sense of the definition, that's your mother. That's your parent. Yeah. When you raise something from a literal infant age, if I find a bird right now as a baby and I raise that bird to a full grown adult and it dies as old age, that's my son. That's my daughter. Like, I'd watch that movie. So I told I understand. But at the end of the day, she did have a duty by her God where those women believe in. Yeah. They believe in their religion. She may have been saying, oh, these were just stories, but she was only saying that to try and like keep her away from fulfilling her actual destiny. But when you know that the gods are true and alive, then yeah, she couldn't stop her. Yeah, and the thing is like, even though, um, I guess that's what we should say, like even though Ares has been gone for a while, the Amazons literally train every day for the day he's going to come back. And because of this, you can't really necessarily stop Diana from sneaking out and training with her aunt, uh, the great warrior and general Antiope, played by Robin Wright. The beautiful and talented and in only one role in her entire life pissed me off, Robin Wright. Uh, isn't she Princess Buttercup? She's She is Princess Buttercup, but do you know who she also is? She's in House of Cards. Jenna. She's oh, Jenna. Isn't she House of Cards too? And what? House, House of Cards? Cards. Yeah, oh, yeah. She's she's a uh, Kevin Spacey's wife in House of Cards. Yeah, she's Jenny. Poor Jenny. She's well, not Jenny. poor Jenny. But poor yeah, Jenny. Not poor Jenny. Not poor Jenny. <laughs> poor Jenny. Bro, how the hell did she not give this poor man HIV? Is beyond me. But that's Madness. that's a well, different story yeah, for uh, yeah. Uh, he had a great immune system, but <laughs> An he, amazing he, one. Even in her youth, um, Diana's shown to have skill, but Hippolyta finds out about the training and her, her and her sister argue after a moment the queen instructs her sister to train diana five times as hard as anyone else before her and we flash forward to adult one of the diana. greatest transition i've ever seen and i'm even talking good. about like no i'm even talking about this is like breaking it tops some of breaking bad's transitions like she's i saw the child actor spin and when she landed she was Fucking Gail Godot. Yeah. Bro, I I paused the movie and rewinded because I needed to see that that transition again. That was insanity. And I liked Gal in this early look. Like I like her in the braid, the plain, oh, the, the, the plain, golden the brown. Plain, uh, yeah, the plain Amazonian attire. Um, it it really shows that then the step up, the glow up, if you will. Uh, the single she braid was killing me, man. Yeah. She couldn't. Why did she have to have that single braid, man? <laughs> you, oh, you, liked it. you didn't like it? What is it? What is it? She no. I hope Gail Godot is listening to our podcast so that she understands she is the pinnacle of woman. <laughs> she is the only thing stopping the... me. The only thing stopping me from saying that is alienating the other women that might be listening. Because uh, we love I, you I, too, I, all of you. No, they don't. They, they, they don't have to like me, so they can like you, <laughs> ladies. Like ladies, like my friend. Me, Gail Godot is the pinnacle. I'm I'm almost in tears of your ability to be a podcast wingman. But, <laughs> but have um, you met my friend George? Yeah, there you go. 
so we have her. Yeah, she's training, and she's training with everybody, and they're they're basically jumping her. Uh, and she seemingly is losing, but she clashes her bracelets together and takes them all down. Um, she, it, am I getting this right? Right after that, she's like embarrassed, right? She was she was embarrassed, like ashamed, essentially, because every the the way they they did the filming was everybody around her was like scared. Yeah, like they did this panning shot of like a bunch of Amazonians, and they had like that scared look. Her own aunt didn't want to touch her, like right. didn't want her near her, like. So she was definitely scared. And then we and get then that she goes moment. to the cliff. Yeah, we get yeah. that moment, bro. When she goes to the cliff, that blue sky. I I mean, I'm assuming that's real. It could be CGI. But man, that blue sky, the green hills, all that stuff is beautiful. Her the looking at water. her hands and like realizing that she may she may have more power than she realizes. Like everything yeah. about all of it without any dialogue. Yeah. Without any dialogue. And even we meet once we meet Steve Trevor and he comes through the whatever which is kind of cool because if you think of it this kind of that this kind of um shield for demascaria predates uh black panther no yeah wakanda yeah uh which is also 2018 which is also an awesome kind of uh, comparison to religion versus science yeah whereas black panthers uh, well wakanda's uh force field shit was technology invincibility this was the gods blessing demascara yeah, and I think in the comics the way it works is that it disappears, like Kung Lung, like it yeah it arrives and disappears in, in different awesome. years, um which which becomes a problem because when there's been many times where Diana's been stuck here because she's chosen to want to stand with mankind, Demascara could just leave and then she can't get back and so, she would have to find <laughs> yeah and then you have to go and find, find it paradise man paradise island find paradise that's actually that's actually really fucking beautiful if you think of it that's like ever so often after having to deal with humanity she has to go and find paradise yeah for that momentary peace yeah and sometimes paradise is home dan sometimes, sometimes paradise, paradise is, is home. home but when paradise is home <laughs> sometimes paradise gets disrupted and yes gets disrupted because by a white man with blonde hair yeah she sees a plane crash first of all not only is a plane crash just something horrific to see in general, but I'm pretty sure she's never seen a plane before. So she sees, uh, yes. Yeah, so this plane crashes. The pilot tries to escape, but he's weighed down by his equipment. Um, but he ends up getting saved by Diana, who jumps in from the cliff to come save him. This is when we see that, like you said, the mascara is hidden from most of the world. But the men who, the man who, eh, but the men who shot the pilot have breached the borders of the town. Uh, and they're on their way of the island and they're on their way. You can see them literally marvel at the fact that what see what it's seemingly like there's nowhere to go. If they do cross the threshold, they end up seeing this beautiful island and they see the failed. Uh, oh, sorry, the the felled plane of um, Steve Trevor. So they're coming after them. Yeah, I think they like they saw like his wing though, floating in the water. And... Yeah. Yeah. So um, the German troops arrive, and with their superior firepower, they kill many of the Amazonians. But the warriors ultimately defeat the soldiers, uh, although Antiope is fatally wounded. You want to talk more about this scene? I thought this was a beautiful action scene. And even though we weren't even with the Amazons that much, when the first one takes that bullet, it hurt me. I was like, dang. It was, it, it was saddening because it's like they've, yeah, they've been training for this their whole life. But think of 
the lifespan as far as genealogy goes of an Amazonian. These women could be thousands of years old and never age past 40. Yeah. So they're training for a world that has since then evolved past them without their knowledge. Right. And it's shown when the guy, when, when Steve Trevor says, I hope they brought guns. Yes. And you see them getting pop, 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 like gunned down. And not only that, you know, you're, you're touching on something that I was, I was um, curious about. It seemed to be like also one of the themes of the film, um, which is this theme that when there were less, when there were less easier ways to kill people, war was more dignified somehow. Like Diana seems completely disgusted by the idea of like long range missiles, shoot the sharpshooters, people shooting people from far away. Guns in general, you know. She called Steve Trevor's man a coward because he's a sharpshooter. Right, and so it's she like she says, "You don't kill with honor." Those she, were she seen as fight. a fight. She's like, "You don't kill with honor." Those were seen as massive advancements in military strategy, and because she's been trained to fight hand to hand and look the person in your eye before you kill them, like you said, war itself—the idea, the same thing that they're training for—the whole idea of it has evolved. It's it's moved past them. And it's crazy because, yeah, even with all of their skill, and they do, they manage to take out all the German troops, but not without casualties. So the Amazonians immediately demand that the pilot explain himself and why the men came. They use the lasso of Hestia slash truth to find out that the pilot is Steve Trevor, an American pilot assigned to British intelligence as a spy. He reveals that his enemy in the war, World War One to be exact, they're creating a deadly poison that is sure to bring more death and war. In a desperate attempt to stop this, Steve stole the notebook with the formula in it, stole a plane, and was shot down, and thus arrived in Demascara. Okay, he, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring something up that go. even CinemaSins didn't bring up, and I just I I won't I can't sleep at night if I don't bring up this <laughs> one little minor detail. Go ahead, that bro. kind of annoyed me. Is how does this man steal a notebook? In with plain 1920s sight. type of, it's not even the how he stole and got away. It's the fact of how that book wasn't literally destroyed when he was submerged underwater. Oh yeah, how were they able to read it and know what it was? Like this is 1920s paper. I'm assuming they still had water. They, they must have. I feel like military might have some like waterproof pens or waterproof well, notebook. I mean, the something. only explanation I can think of is that like in those times the Germans did have extreme technology that was deemed inhumane but unless they're using like human skin and human blood for, for that paper and pen that shit should be like <laughs> destroyed right but right. and he doesn't even know how to read it you know diane is the one who does it later <laughs> but in some um, language that it doesn't even seem like it's human right sumerian what is sumerian that's an, oh, that's one of the person? older. That's one of the older. No, Sumerian's real. That's one of the like the first original languages. Oh, Sumerian's an actual real language. Yeah, it's like one of the it's like one of the first um, actual written languages is Sumerian. Oh shit! Um, and, oh shit! Yeah. Kudos to this movie. Uh, so he explains he has to bring the notebook to British intelligence so that they can stop them from unleashing this 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 poison, this gas, and or what you know, figure out what's going on with all this stuff. And Diana seems the only one seems to be the only one concerned, and I think it's because she remembers the story of Ares. Uh, as Steve is describing the terror of war, it reminds her of what her mom told her about 
when Ares returns. So when the Amazons decide to turn a blind eye, Diana sneaks away, steals the god color sword and the armor, and promises to help Steve get back to England so long as he leads her to Ares. As they escape, they are confronted by Hippolyta, who reluctantly gives her blessing for Diana's mission. What did you think about the overall effect? Because it was the first time we've seen it in live action, especially in the film, of the Lasso of Truth. That's such an iconic tool of Wonder Woman's. They Um, did it better than the animated and comic books could ever have done. Because with, you know, technology today and with color grading, Mm -hmm. they made it, it, they made it glow like Stargirl staff. Yeah. Like it looked like it was alive. And then also... Uh, Chris Pine's acting is just was on point with showing a man that's supposed to be a spy in a world that he doesn't understand with technology that is foreign to him trying to fight something he doesn't understand basically like it's it was right. it was great he's, so, he's in he's in way over his own head and the great thing about um, Chris Pine in this role is that he's essentially playing second fiddle and he knows it he knows he's playing second fiddle. He's that's put in this point. film to build up. Yeah, and the thing is, not only is it the point, and you know, I glossed over the scene where he's nude, and uh, Gal sees him nude for the first time. But Patty <laughs> Jenkins put that film, that scene in the film, as like a, like a, uh, what do they call that? Um, like almost getting back at the film industry oh, in the, general oh, for it's, always. It's the, it, it's the reverse, like. Uh... Yeah. Oh damn. Gazing, gazing, the, like, the, the the male gazing, yes. female gazing stuff. Um, yeah, so because that's all we ever get is those guys meeting a girl that's like from a foreign world, foreign land type thing, and right. she doesn't understand the modern day customs. So she's in the shower, and then then all of a sudden the guy is being able to talk to her, and yeah, he's being ba- even though he's he's being bashful though he should have no reason to be bashful because, but. What I I also love what Patty Jenkins does with this with this female led movie is that there's a lot of the scenes where Steve Trevor will doubt her, right? Because if you if you look at it, not just through the eyes of someone that's trying to tell a a story for women, but if you look at through the eyes of like the where the time frame was, a man like that would look at a woman as incapable. Yes. He would, but not not only would. that. The, a lot of the things that she espouses seem idealistic, or or or, or like really grand. Where he's literally dealing with the day to day BS of war, the day to day. He's definitely and more so, pragmatic man. So, so the idea that like like you know initially she's saying that she'll be you know get brought to Aries. He don't know what the hell Aries is. He just wants to get back to England. So he'll agree with her so long as he can get back to England and whatever Aries she finds, quote unquote, this crazy woman that I just met on this island. So be it. Um, so I I I like that I saw truth in this. I saw you know seeing from the trailers, it looks like it gets a lot more play in the sequel. So I can't wait to see what cool little tricks they come up with that. Um, we meet General McGuffin, oh, oh sorry, Ludendorff, and his scientist Doctor Poison, who gleefully talk about how their chemical will change the tide in the war. I don't understand the weird. Magic cocaine that General Ludendorff takes throughout oh, no, this that's, film. That's that's nuts. You know what snus is? No. Snus snus is tobacco that you inhale. Snuff. Now, I know snuff, but there was smoke oh, and stuff and stuff going through his veins. Oh, no. Is he taking some kind of 
some kind of freaking you know snuff is no it's whoa oh you just brought back memories that i wish you didn't sir that's that but that's not here for this podcast to listen to snus by camel is these little bags they literally are like you ever had hand warmers yes you so you know how the, those bags of hand warmers how they look mm-hmm. now imagine it about the size of a stick of bubble gum okay it's about that long that big and it's a bag and you put it to your nose and you inhale it and it the in the particles that release when you smell it is nicotine and menthol Huh. It's called snus. Huh. Yep, it's inhalable. Weird. It's inhalable tobacco. Because his whole face was turning white. He must have been, yeah, it's just like a, it's like a, yeah, it's like a drug or something. And it, it got to be a combination of that stuff. It was definitely like a weird ass performance enhancer. But I think that, that like literally become, that he's general red herring. You know? <laughs> And they give him this. They give him these these cocaine moments to make you think that he's Aries and he's taking it maybe to stay in human form, or he's taking it to yes, kind of yes, you know, yes. kind of just like to calm down. But no, no, it's none of it. It's just a weird general doing his weird drugs in this movie. Oh, but come on, man! After meeting VM Varga and having to rewatch. Well, I the love movie. I love um Danny Houston in general. He is an amazing bad guy. Yeah. Because he was in 40 Days and 40 Nights with fucking, uh, doesn't matter his name. I don't He's care. also Matt Stryker in X-Men Origins Wolverine. Ah, uh, yes, he is. Um, we also see his science. Oh, we talk about his science and stuff. Diana and Steve arrive in Britain and Steve gets Diana new clothes and introduces her to his secretary. There's a lot now, of, okay. go ahead. I wanted to ask you, you know what the secretary is, right? Who the actress is? No. Pam from UK Office. Oh, yeah. I can see it now. (laughs) The the, the best friend from Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see it now. And I I looked it up with that comic character, Etta Etta James, I want to say, is is canonical as well. She's a a character. Was she a friend of both Trevor and Diana? I think she's just a friend of Diana. Just like a homegirl. That's fucking kind of awesome. Yeah, I mean, and even now, though it's a different kind of character setting, it's still I I that kind of stuff. Like it, I was it gonna say you could bring her back, better. but we just moved forward seventy years. <laughs> so yeah, old girl will definitely around. be Peg, Peggy Carter syndrome. But in but in this, we get a lot of fish out of water comedy. You know, with the you know the their two ideas of what a woman's supposed to be doing, how a woman's supposed to be dressing. Yeah, but um, this is how you handle fish out of water comedies well this is when i lose the female audience because this is when i say that the reason why i think it works here is because gal is great at playing adorable and great at playing um oblivious and so oh, you're which, not gonna you you wouldn't be able to lose the females for that one because you're being genuine and sincere that gail Godot is a lot more adorable playing a fish out of water setting than i believe you know, her Chris Hemsworth her breaking... facial expressions the way her eyes open up when she's shocked about something the way that, you know the way that she kind of smiles when she's confused about something. Sometimes, like, yeah, she'll laugh or or she'll smirk because she's confused. Like, why, why would we do that? Or why is that a thing? Or why would, like, whoa, this dress? You serious? How am I supposed to kick? Stuff the like best that. part about that whole dress, the whole uh, changing montage sequence was every outfit she was wearing, she was asking, okay, but where do I put my sword? Yeah. Where, where does the armor go? 
Yeah, and not in what a kind of like shield? a not in a kind of like didn't didn't have to play Barracuda in that scene. Is what I'm trying to say. You know where they were like, well, she's like, oh, this is what women wear. Well, I don't have to no, wear but this. She was genuinely she's, asking questions because yeah, she's, she's a soldier. So she's like, uh, this is cool and all. And the thing is, but where's the protection? Like, yeah. Uh, the thing is, they they it was Steve who told her that she can't wear what she's wearing walking around. Yep. You know, so a man. Um, and that I think becomes the narrative, you know, this idea that, you know, he's like, well, you know, every, there, every scene, every scene where it's Steve and Diana and she wants to do something, he tells her you can't. And she goes from here, and does from it. here until no man's land. No man's land is the, no, is when that blows up. This, but I'm saying that he's, fu- he's able to keep her, keep a lid on her oh, to an yeah. extent, you know? Until she literally takes the clothes off her back and walks, regardless of what the hell he's gonna say. Because even when they go to the to the consulate or whatever, he, yeah, yeah, that's right. He shuffles, he sho- shoes her out, like he's able to get her out of there. So, um, yeah, we in an alley. Uh, they are confronted by German spies at gunpoint, but Diana subdues them all. And before she can question the last man, he takes a cyanide capsule. Uh, the the another thing she didn't understand the glasses thing the you know the like the plain colored clothes and the um uh, I know where you're going with this and the uh ro- robbing getting robbed is all from Superman that's one it's it you know it's funny I knew I knew that this was very Superman influential from right. the second that he threw the uh, that she off the Etta yeah. offered the glasses. And Chris Pine goes and makes the comments. He's like, oh, great. So we're going to conceal her identity with glasses. That'll right. be a lot less noticeable. Like, I was like, ah. <laughs> no funny. idiot would ever do that. And he should just look right, look right in the camera and wink. Yep. I'm like, ah. That's, see, stuff like this, it it works. I don't. Yeah. I, 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 I but I think it's because everybody's charming. Why. I think everybody's charming. And you already, you like the characters. Um, you already shown the brightness of Themyscira. You already shown the optimism of Diana, even as a kid. You know? Exactly. Uh, oh, I'm in my favorite scene um, when they get to uh, drop off the notebook and they're introduced to Sir Patrick, David Thewlis, um, playing Sir Patrick. And yeah, both this one and Fargo were filmed at the same time, right? <laughs> like, they were filmed like months 2017. apart. 2017. Right. And so he is doing VM Varga in this. Obviously, I couldn't see that what when I first saw it because I've never seen Fargo. But now that I'm watching it, he's literally doing the same kind of like, you don't know what you think you know, you know, and you know, what this you is think is going time, on. Gentlemen, we need to have Tyson. Yeah, all <laughs> of that stuff. He's doing and like looking at you sideways. <laughs> like he's doing all that. He's doing all of that stuff. And, and his little t- his smile, that evil smile. I don't know if he did one. I don't know if he did one and they were like, we need you to do the other. Like, I don't know if he did Wonder Woman. They're like, oh, my God, can you bring that to Fargo or vice versa? Uh, but Far- Fargo season three was like August, like ends, ended in like September, October. So they must have filmed it the year before. So he, they were like filming it at like the same time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was like, you know what? I'll just do both. I'll just do this for both. <laughs> Let me just talk like this where everything just sounds cunning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when they drop the notebook off, everyone everyone is t- dismissive because Diana's a woman. But David Dulles seems to be very concerned about the recent developments of Dr. Poison. 
um, Diana is dismissed immediately because she is a woman, but they let her translate the notebook because she can read it. And it reveals that Dr. Poison is creating a new hydrogen mustard gas that would make gas masks themselves ineffective. Steve suggests destroying the gas at the source, but the superiors seem to not mind the potential casualties. You know, Steve says something like along the lines of like, but soldiers will die. And the general says, that's what soldiers do. And Diana flips out. <laughs> uh, Steve tries to leave and Diana stands up for herself, calling all the men cowards, quick to send the innocent men to their death. And um, even when Steve tries to calm her down, he turns it around on her and says, you're a coward. Like you, you, you for, for, for freaking uh, fighting this, you know, not, not fighting harder for this or not fighting harder for the innocence of these men. Uh, oh, these innocent lies or just literally walking away because, you know, you don't want to combat your superiors. You're a coward for that as well. And as she's literally like tearing him a new one, he's like, we're still going to go. Like, <laughs> I was always planning to go anyway. Um, what do you think of that whole scene with Diana and the generals? Oh, it was it was just a perfect setting for like these guys in this time frame have never seen heard, experienced something like that. So for some you know, seemingly plain Jane woman mm-hmm. to just step into a room that she wasn't allowed to be in because of her gender and just start calling these men out on their bullshit. It was so Diana that did, did everything that they were doing for this character was so Wonder Woman. It was it, it, it was impossible to not just feel the, the very yeah. vibes of the character. What's interesting is I, I, I've heard a lot of comparisons to Captain America, the first Avenger with this film. But one of the things I think that um, this film shares with un, another Captain America movie is Captain America uh, Winter Soldier. The sense that um, Diana it gets real disenchanted in this film, you know, disillusioned, if you will. She The things that she thought are not true, you know, the people that she thought she could trust. You know, at one point she completely thinks that Steve Trevor is just like everybody else. Screw all of you. Screw mankind. Um, and this is the beginning of that. Like every 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 incident she has in man's land is another reminder to her that maybe mankind is not worth saving. And she comes to that complete conclusion towards the end of the film, but ends up, you know, uh, flipping the script a bit. Only love can save the world, George. That's what I was to tell people. Um, so Diana argues with Steve because she thinks he won't act, but he tells her that he will take her to the war front and they will stop uh, the gas from being used. They head to the pub and recruit some of Steve's friends for the mission. Samir, a multi-linguistic undercover agent. Charlie, a marksman with intense PTSD. And then Sir Patrick arrives and says he's intense to help. He gives them the money needed for the trip and promises to keep it secret. Anything on that? Oh, it was just a great, like, you know, band, like, uh band coming together type scene really. get, gotta get the gang together bro that's the best part of the yeah it was movie. a really gang gets together type scene that I, that I dug I'm just really more excited to just get to this no man's land scene because oh my god is this one of the greatest action sequences in the last 10 years <laughs> alright let me set it up so set us up Steve and Diana go meet a smuggler named Chief who will get them as close as they can to the battle I just want to stop real quick here because I did some research and I found out that the actor who played Chief was an actual Blackfoot uh, Native American. 
And when he found out that he was going to be called Chief, he was very upset by that. And only agreed to do this film if he was able to speak Blackfoot uh, in the film. And he did. And when he did speak Blackfoot, he introduced himself by a different name. I think it was like Nani. So Chief is the name that Steve gives him, which is kind of racist slash kind of of the times. Because, yeah, it's a, the thing is, I, that's my, that was the, even if I get uncomfortable with it, the one thing that I guess everybody has to remember is, like, if you're going to do a, a period piece, yeah. you have to make it a realistic period piece. Right. As much as you don't want to or as much as someone else doesn't want to see it, it makes no sense to make a movie set in, like, 1950 and everybody is literally the most progressive people in the entire world. Yeah. No, I totally it, 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 as much as you like you love to see it, it 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 personally takes me out of the film so as much as yeah it's it's an uncomfortably racist nickname that you can throw in and i thank god patty jenkins is the kind of person that can throw it in tastefully right it, but then but still, then a lot but then allows the character some respect by him actually introducing himself by his given name as opposed to you know the nickname also, that they the, gave the, him. also he gets a whole conversational monologue with Diana. Yeah, and he talks about how basically men have been at war with each other for years, but then they can also be on the same side with each other. Because she was, she didn't understand how some guy can just be a transporter for money. Yeah, and not take an actual side, good or bad. Like he's just neutral. She's never understood neutrality. Right. You fight for so good. For, if there's a fight, you fight, and you fight for good. And he, but he had every right to be the way he was because he told you he's like. Listen, man, all my people are dead. Yeah. I have no more war to fight. Yeah. And it was the first time that she saw Steve in a different... She had to see Steve in a different light. Because even if it wasn't personally him, his skin color did, you know, yeah. colonize and slaughter. Yeah, and he, he mentions something, uh, you know, close to that. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this thing doesn't shy away from the horrors of, of history, especially those earlier days, because... We see them get close, closer and closer to the battle, and the closer that they get, Diana starts to see the true horrors of war. She sees men suffering from all kinds of injuries, you know, amputated, lost eyes, lost limbs. And the whole scene of her walking through, and she's literally just like, oh, but this man's injured. Oh, but these, this, like, these people don't stop. have food. We can't like, Yeah, he's like, yeah, we can't. And she keeps, she understood instantly and kept going. So That's like, the compassion. The, That's the compassion that you have to show with a character smartness, like that. But you see her smartness. You see the, the intelligence in her by her understanding there's literally nothing in my capabilities to do. But for the people I can help, I have to get to them. Yeah. You know, this is this is a, like history, old news. But yeah. she also has the compassion to stop right, and want to help. So the fact that she wants to help but understands she can't and continues to help where she can is... The, uh, That's supposed to be the biggest weakness of any superhero. That you can't save everyone. You know? And they, 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 they went to great lengths showcasing that here. That war is a case of, like, there, no one wins. You, it's, it's about who loses the, le- the least. <laughs> you know, uh, and it was even the way she got mad at the generals in yeah. that little consulate because to them they're like, just pawns on a on a chessboard. To the generals, like, and but she was right. She's like, where I come from, our generals fight with our privates. Like it, it reminds me of a of a something from Futurama. Was that Brannigan? Where he's like, I remember yep. when I fought the Killbots, uh, and they're like, how did you how did you how did you beat them? He's like, oh, I just sent wave after wave of my own men until they shut down. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's one way to end the war. 
Um, but um, we, oh, in a twist of events, the German army decides to end the war. But General Ludendorff refuses, and he and Dr. Poison gas their superiors, killing them as Poison looks on in glee. The good guys sleep by campfire. um, No, they sleep in the morning. Diana is taken to no man's land. Steve tells her that they cannot cross as it is commonly known that no man's land is essentially the area of land between two enemy trench systems, which neither side wished to cross out of fear of being attacked or having that land seized by the enemy. It's like the Cuban embargo line, basically. Yeah. Like, you know, once you cross that embargo line, that's it. You declared war. And so if, both of them don't want to cross it to not declare actual war. Actual war. More right. war than they were already... Right. To declaring. start a conflict. Start another conflict. And one of the things is that if you're not aware of the horrors that was World War I, <laughs> um, people would sit and live in these trenches, live in these dugout dirt holes for weeks because they couldn't get past certain points. Like... Like stuff like this, and you could be. They went an inch in like a month, right? Basically, yeah. And it, uh, like, World War One is considered one of the most brutal wars we've ever. Oh, it's called the Uh, Great War. Yeah. If if I'm, like, I I was. It is. No, it is called. It is called the Great War. Yeah, you're right. No, but I'm saying, like, 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 I've read a lot of like historian like articles, and I watched YouTube videos. It's like, as far as I'm concerned, this was like the war to end all wars i mean when you're the very first world war where you literally have like every major freaking country fighting each other yeah it is crazy yeah and like i said you know we all had these rudimentary things we hadn't created the geneva convention yet so we didn't even have like rules for war like we didn't have rules of that dictated the brutality of it which is why a lot of that chemical warfare was allowed and shit yeah, like that. And, and yeah, that really bad stuff. Really, really, really bad stuff. And we're going to get into that soon. Um, uh, he foolishly says, setting it up, right? He foolishly says, no man uh, can cross this uncrossable border. Um, to which my girl says, uh, I am no man. Right? <laughs> I, know, I am all man. Yes. I, I love it. I am she men. says, I am, what? yeah. And so she... No no man can cross it? I am men. Yeah. You said man, I'm men. And she <laughs> she it. took off her... She had like a cloak on. She takes it off. And she just starts walking towards, uh, you know, on this uncrossable border and attracts all the gunfire to herself um, so that the men can flank and get past. And we get this iconic shot of Diana standing alone, shield riddled with bullets, but she still stands her ground. I remember it being in the trailer, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is gonna kill. This is this is gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome." And it just it it segues to another awesome moment because the the good guys managed to get past, uh, leading to the Allied powers to charge the battlefield. When they get past, Diana tells the guys to stay back, and we're treated to an amazing scene of Diana taking out buildings full of soldiers using her sword, her armor, and her lasso. She makes quick work of them. Just even just the the wrist. The wristbands, her just yeah, her swiping gauntlets. these bullets away with the with, with the gauntlets. It was oh my god! Yeah. It was just so perfect. And then she's just walking without breaking pace, swatting mortars away with her shield. Yep, 
with yep. and no then when she's breaking in, in when she's breaking into those buildings and kicking people out of windows and stuff, like you can't help but get hype. And I heard from a lot of women when they saw this movie that they did, they felt that general hypeness, that general like <laughs> I can so do anything kind of. Yeah, I'm so fucking glad. It's like between this and Star Girl, you if any girl wants to truly be a nerd. I say be yeah. a nerd, but if you want to, if you're looking for someone to relate to as far as empowerment goes, bro, Wonder Woman and Star Girl are the pinnacle of women and women and young women empowerment. Like, oh, mm. it warms my heart. The dialogue. The, can we r- real quick talk about how it's canon that this woman loves ice cream? Oh yeah, yep. And it's just <laughs> it's stuff like that. It's stuff like like telling a simple merchant on the street you should be proud of selling five cent ice cream yeah she loves ice like cream. oh my god it's just this movie That's how they, they find they find pure. a way to they find a way to um keep her in the middle in between this fierce warrior who can take out all these men and somebody who wants to have ice cream and ballroom dance on occasion it's the you same know? thing with the boat scene yeah where she where she was just trying to understand the the proper customs of sexual and emotional relationships but then also shut it all down like a warrior and said i don't need you yep do you understand so she got both sides of it oh god it's so i i can't gush over the perfection of this movie alone like it's just it is all around a good time no alcohol required um so she makes quick work of the of all those soldiers that we were talking about before taking down a sharpshooter in a tower, and they rid the nearby town of enemy soldiers. They call Sir Patrick, who forbids Diana and Steve to infiltrate a gala for the German high command, but Steve pretends he can't hear him. After their victory, the Allied powers drink and dance in the snow, uh, their one moment of solace after all the horrors of war. Steve kisses Diana, and they spend the night together. That's all I want to say about that of those events. <laughs> Because I was highly jealous because that woman, that woman. Jealous, is. jealous. I will slit that man's throat in the middle of the night. <laughs> Against Sir Patrick's wishes, the crew infiltrates that uh, very fancy gala. Um, Gal Gadot puts a, bu- a sword in her butt, I think is what they allude to there. She holds it with her cheeks. Have you ever seen that that, that picture? Yeah, I love the, that the, picture. The x-ray of where the sword goes. If the sword was really behind her, where it would be tucked. It would literally be between the butt cheeks. Well, sometimes. Hey, listen. Amazonian Amazonian cheeks. They got some strength in there. Well, I mean, she definitely has, like, indestructible skin, so it doesn't even matter for her. They infiltrate the gala. Diana bumps into General, uh, what I call him? Red Herring, um, who suspects <laughs> that he's Ares. And we suspect that he's Ares. And he doesn't help that by actually quoting ancient Greek. For some strange reason, even though he's not Aries, and he also says you do not know of the gods, which is just I guess, you know, in retrospect after watching this film, it's just him just being a dick, (laughs) just saying random shit like you don't know what you're talking about. But he was very much seeming like the mustache twirling Aries in the background in this scene, especially. Um, But he's not. I and I think what's even more sinister is that. Like, Steve tries to flirt with Dr. Poison to get info out of her. It doesn't work, but that made me feel kind of weird. Like, she sent, she was, like, kind of falling for his flirting, you know? And this is obviously a deranged woman. And it that whole scene just made me uncomfortable. I don't know why. 
Well, you know, evil women, I guess, just don't deserve love to you. I don't know. There's a whole song about it. Ask Santana. He talks about evil women. <laughs> um, so when Ludendorff leaves the party, Diana chases after him. And her and Steve see them shoot the deadly gas from the tower. Diana tra- tries to track down where it landed and sees a town of people all dead because of the poison. After years of training to be a warrior, to fight the good fight and protect innocence, Diana is gutted by the sheer brutality of mankind during war. The sheer loss of life and disappointment and her inability to prevent this um, causes Diana to uh, leave Steve and track down Ludendorff on her own on horseback. She can't take it no more, man. I couldn't take it no more either. That scene was beautifully shot of her in the smoke. Oh, in the, the really bright right yellow out. smoke, and she runs right in it because she doesn't have any, you know, like she has, she's immune to it basically. Um, Steve can't even get close, but she walks right in and sees all the dead bodies, and she is over it. They, like I said, you lose so much in the in war. It's not about who wins; it's about who loses the least. And everywhere she's been, she's t- taking a loss. She's seen seen men die or lose their limbs. Um, it's mostly a moral loss to her, more than like besides. She lost her aunt. Right. And she had to leave her home world to a new world she doesn't understand, sure. But everything that she was seeing around her, these losses, was like moral loss. Like it was hitting her in her like actual heart. Like That's what I'm saying. Like feeling. I think that we get to a point where we get so removed where, you know, we can list numbers on, on a chart of like these are the people who died in Operation Iraqi Freedom. But every one of those persons was somebody's son, was somebody's brother, you know, somebody's mother. Um, and we forget that sometimes because it seems like those numbers are the cost that we pay for the freedom that we have. And for but Diana... Should lives cost for... Should lives cost to freedom. Diana, no. To Diana, the idea that so many of these losses, they're like, what is going on? What is going on here? Um, and I can't blame her from just like bouncing on uh steve she f- conf- oh, not at all no um she finds and confronts uh general red herring who uses his super who uses his super cocaine to match her in battle uh but diana uses the god killer sword to destroy him what i liked about diana uh killing him was that diana like read him his rights you remember that She's like, I am Diana of Demascara, and I am here to rid you or whatever, whatever. I was like, yo, she could, she she talks some cold hard smack. Because it, 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 in her eyes, this man is like he's corrupted by an evil god. Right. But the man that if she doesn't see, uh, even if he's not, even if he's the red herring, it's the same thing for Aries and so. Like she doesn't see it as. This is an actual person taking. This is an actual god taking a human form. She sees it as a human being corrupted by the voice of a god that existed long before all of our time. But the thing is, I think she actually thought his ass was Ares until it seemingly because she was taught that Ares is what makes man cruel. Ares is what makes man go to war. So if you kill Ares, all of the negative connotations of man disappear when Ares does as well. So when she stabs Ludendorff with the God Killer sword and the war doesn't instantly end, she starts to understand that Ludendorff was never the God of War. Now, p- put a pin in that because we're going to come back to that when we're done reviewing the movie. 
Because that's very important. At this moment, Diana realizes, and even with Steve, Steve says, Aries or no Aries, maybe this is who mankind is. And Diana refuses to believe that there's no bigger big bad like there's no one person at the top and i love that steve gets exasperated he's like i know this is all bullshit i know i know this is all screwed up i understand but this is the cards that were dealt right now you know she's basically having an existential crisis and denying it um and he's like i wish there was a big bad you know a big bad guy i can point that and say it's all his fault but it's not you know it's Um, us yeah yeah and then um uh, Diana refused to believe that there's no bigger figure to blame for this. And if there isn't, really, mankind doesn't deserve her help. That's what she says. Um, Steve remarks in one of my favorite you know, little speeches that it's not about what people deserve. It's about what you believe. And I, I live on that. You know, There's people that probably don't deserve my kindness or people don't, that don't deserve my At friendship all. or any At of those all. things. But I only know how to be one person. I only know how to be me. And I take pride, empathetic, caring person. Yeah, I take pride doing that. So there's many times where where you know people, us as humans, say, you know, well, you know what, I'm I'm just gonna, you know, it's time to go back to being cold hearted, or time to not stop letting people take advantage or whatever. But you're always gonna resort back to yourself because it's not about (laughs) it's not about what other people deserve. It's about what you believe. Uh, That's what life is. It's about what you believe. I'm going to need you to stop calling me out on live air, sir. <laughs> it happens, bro. Because it's, it's true. I, I, I have said it countless of times, whether I'm joking or whether I'm personally trying to be serious. Yo, I should be cold more. Or this is the level of petty I'm trying to be. Right. But when push comes to shove, I'll give my, my, my jacket to someone that truly needs it. Right. Because that's how you were programmed. Like, that's that's who you are. And fighting that program. program when, I say, just... when I say program, I mean, like, you put you put that programming in yourself. You oh, understand? No, like, yeah. you... Like, I'm I, not saying, like, there's I, a puppet, yeah, there's a puppet master, but... With a good right, heart. Was, right. Some people are just born with good souls. And that's and also... as much the, as they want to be that way, they can't. Like Diana says, you know, we're incredibly flawed, but I think it is the melting pot that is the human existence that even if you don't have, let's say great parents or a great childhood, you can still live a great life. If you find a way to surround yourself with great people, caring, compassionate people who understand that every, that life isn't perfect, you know? And that's what, that's what Steve is trying to tell her. Life isn't perfect. There is no black and white. There's no good, like straight up good and straight up bad. All of this is messed up. It, It just is, but we can get through it. You know, we can get through it and we can get through it together, but she is, she ain't trying to do none of that. Um, she said he says that line, and he mentions that he's hell bent on making sure that the prison, uh, oh sorry, the poison <laughs> doesn't make it into the air. And Diana's hesitant, but Steve goes on anyway. Trevor and his merry men sneak on to, onto uh, the airfield as Wonder Woman looks on, and she is suddenly greeted by Sir Patrick. As he tells his sinister plot, it is revealed that he himself is Ares. John. But no, this is the dun-dun-dun moment, right? She immediately tries to take the god of war down as he monologues about how mankind isn't worth saving. She tries a death blow with the god-killer sword, but it disintegrates. That's the dun-dun-dun moment because we were like, what? At first you're like, oh my god, is he so powerful that this sword sword that was supposed to stop him just disintegrates? But that's when Ares explains, foolish child, you are the god-killer. 
You crazy are, how he knew that yeah. she, who she was. You are the weapon sent or left behind by Zeus to help kill him. Which yeah. is also kind of funny if you think of it that the way his his acting was when he first meets her, the shaking his head and looking around, the, yeah. the constant like slurring of his words, it's like the nervousness. You could see the nervousness. I think him, he like, was worried oh, about shit. whether or not he was going to be sussed out. Yeah. And when he wasn't, when she like fully trusted him, it's like, okay, now I can do my thing, chicken wing. Yes, totally. Um, it's seeing as she was created by Zeus, her and Ares are effectively siblings. And he tries to entice her to his side, but to no avail. And they do battle in impressive fashion. Sorry. Meanwhile. This is how you do CGI fights, <laughs> by the way. Well, I'm PBS. just, I, I was kind of upset that this was, this all took place in the dark as it did because the rest of the movie had been so well lit. And a lot of the scenes have been so clearly also, shown. I still stand by my statement that this entire ending scene was not a Patty Jenkins scene. This oh, we're going to get into that. A war- it was 100% a Warner Brothers decision. That, yeah, that's why I said put a pin in, in the idea that uh, if you kill Ares, maybe mankind is still screwed. Um, because that's a very important thing we're going to talk about in a bit. Uh, b- 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 meanwhile, Steve locates a plane full of the gas and figures the only way to ensure its destruction is to fly it as far away as possible and blow it up. Ares dons his war armor and seemingly beats Diana to the point of victory, but as she sees Steve make his hero- heroic sacrifice, she breaks free of Ares' um, restraints and in a rush of energy takes down several soldiers in anger, pleasing Ares. Uh, as she looks around at the pure destruction, and that's a hell of a scene. She's just standing there like there's fire all around her <laughs> and smoke. Um, and it seemingly uh, seemingly tries to attempt to kill Dr. Poison for her hand and everything. She ends up refusing to when she remembers her love for Steve. As Ares charges her, she uses her gauntlets along with the lightning Ares throws at her to destroy the god of war. With him dead, tensions end and the war is over. Diana is happy. There will be no more bloodshed, but is reminded that in losing Steve, war is not without cost. Diana learns to love humanity for its imperfection, choosing to stay, fight, and give the world and give for the world uh, she knows it can be. So Which I, I think is very important, you know, to like remember. It's like love. Love is illogical. Yeah. Irrational. Right. Fickle. It, it's Imperfect. crazy and confusing. That love is. The one thing in this world that literally doesn't make sense, right? And you can be the smartest goddamn and scientist I am. in no, the I'm just world, joking. <laughs> just but no, you are one of the smartest people I've ever met. So you could be oh, one of the smartest you. people in the world, but love doesn't make sense. No. So when you when you love, you have to love right. There has yeah. to be a correct way, like. Even though the emotion of love doesn't make sense, there has to be a pattern that you follow to maintain the perfect love. And I think one of the biggest things that we could take away from Diana's realization here is that you need to love someone, something, or people in spite of their flaws. Yeah, because all of this is imperfect. The, yeah. actual, the actual quote is, you're supposed to like, love someone despite your flaws despite their flaws. Right. And I hate I hate that quote. I hate the quote you're supposed to love somebody despite their flaws. Because that means you're that means you you're supposed to ignore those flaws. 
never yeah. talk about it, never bring it to light. Now, those flaws are always should be something that, you know, should be known. Like, if you love somebody, you should know that those flaws exist, but you love them in spite the existence of them. No, I, I totally agree with you. And, and to modernize what you just said, a lot of people feel that way about American history. A lot of people feel in the sense that, like, American history is imperfect, but we have to acknowledge that imperfectness. We have to have conversations about that imperfectness. We can't yes. love blindly. We can't love blindly. We have to acknowledge that there's there are problems and that they can be fixed. And that's love what, might you be know. blind, but loving shouldn't be done blindly. So right. yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. To, uh, so let's get into that um, ending real quick because we just ended with the ending. So um, the thing is, when when it happened, when the movie dropped, a lot of people felt like the movie um, pulled its punches because. They had an opportunity to tell a story that mankind itself is screwed and mankind itself is flawed and will always be flawed. And Diana has to learn to love us um, fully in that sense. And there's some of that there, but they they felt like they pulled punches because they did literally get to blame it all on Aries. They did get to literally say that, oh, no, it was all this evil God pulling the strings, you know, behind the scenes this entire time. And people felt like they were watching a smarter movie after Ludendorff got killed and things still continued because that's the world that we live in here. There is no magic bad guy that we can kill here that ends all the, all the malice and the division and all the stuff that's happening here. And um, to, speaking to that, just recently, maybe like a month ago, Patty Jenkins said that the original end of the first movie was also smaller, but the studio made me change it at the last minute. So that's always been a bit of a bummer that that's the one thing people talk about. Because I agreed. I told the studio we didn't have time to do it, but it was what it was. I ended up loving it, but that it was not the original ending of the movie. So the idea that it was smaller makes me believe that it, we don't get this big bombastic third act of gods throwing lightning at each other. You know, Maybe something a little bit more subdued, dealing with the humans like Poison and um, Ludendorff or whatever. Uh, who knows? But what do you think about that idea that... that well, I guess knowing what both sides could be, which side do you prefer? I guess is the question I want to ask. I honestly would have preferred something a lot, a lot more toned down because the way the film was going, it was like we were getting these big action scenes, but it wasn't something blockbustery. It wasn't something CGI schlockness. Right. Like we like if you would have given us something where, all right, let's say. General Red Herring was Ares. Right. And you would have stopped the movie there. Like, you know, like you could still do the whole sacrifice scene, do the whole self-realization, do all of that. But do it all in the fight scene in that area that they were. Right. It would have been absolutely perfect. I think it would have it would have it would have um, agreed with the same pacing as the rest of the film. It would have won. Exactly. It would have been on par with the same pace. And the second we got to that ending, even my first time watching it, I'm not going to front. I got bored. And I got mad not only at myself, but I got mad at the movie for getting me bored. (laughs) And I knew that it wasn't a Patty Jenkins thing. I say it in my heart and thank you for confirming it. But I knew in my heart that that wasn't a Patty Jenkins thing. No way on God's green and blue earth was the pacing of that movie for like uh, for like an hour and 40 minutes up until the end the same filmmaker right 
I'm not stupid. I'm not right. like no way. So they were two different pacings, 100%. And two, it was just now you're throwing too much ingredients into the mix. Yeah. And it's going to end up, you know, being jarring. Right. And I don't want th- this was a movie that we not only have we waited at that point, uh, uh, what, 21 years for. But we also waited well, decades 80, for 80 years. Something like that. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like, right. You said it's been in development hell since 96. Yeah. But now we're also been waiting another plus like 60 years. Yeah, it's ridiculous. For this movie to be crit. So for it to just have that jarring, jarring ending, it's like, okay, come I, I on would, You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure some people didn't even didn't even notice. I'm pretty sure that some people it, it went right through. As a as somebody who literally fought in a war, I like the narrative that we're all kind of screwed up and we don't know what we're doing, and it leads us to brutality at certain points. We're monkeys. Uh, we, we get b- boiled down to our animal instincts, and we hit each other with rocks, and it's stupid, and we need to figure out why we're doing it, and we need to love each other because we're all monkeys. We're all monkeys, no matter where we are. can save the goddamn world. You would think that, Dan, but now I'm going to go into a section I like to call... Male rage. So, oh, no, we're doing this I don't one. know if you remember, but women-only screenings were held at the Alamo Draft House City in Austin. I do remember <laughs> that. And it, I thought that that was one of the most coolest things ever. Right, because they were trying to get women to see a movie all together. Not only a movie, a movie all together, but a female empowering movie. Not only all that, but a comic book movie, which I don't a think you know many women see together. Said- Female empowered move like oh god! Everything. What could be wrong with that? Nothing. What could be wrong with that? Well, opponents of the gender restricted screening said stated on Facebook that such screenings were discriminatory against men, and they oh, filed some of those even filed lawsuits against the uh, uh, Alamo Draft House, which turns out that indeed making a gender excluded uh, screening. Is against uh, discriminatory, discriminatory no, it, laws. Uh, okay, listen. <laughs> okay, I mean, there's a. It's listen, so stupid. It's really, really stupid. Yeah, it's there's really, a lot really of stupid. I'm not. I'm not advocating for any of this. But like, I was reading this. I, I, first of all, I remember when it happened. I remember people like, oh, so it, it's it's what I like to call the Black Panther effect, where people do the thing of like, well, do, can I even see Wonder Woman? Am I even allowed? It's like shut up and go oh, see the movie. Come on, go shut, shut up and up, see the movie, bro. Shut up. Just go Listen, see this, it. This is this is my thing about diversity. I'm not gonna sit here and and, and mansplain or you know white skin splain. I'm just gonna say straight up, like let everybody that's gonna go to a certain movie for their representation, their experiences, and their life being displayed. Let them enjoy it. But you. Who want to see a movie? I mean, a fucking movie. And then when you say it, when you say it like that, like it just it gets me mad too because it seems like it's so simple. It gets me mad because it's like this is the one. Like Wonder Woman is the one. It's the one female. You what is it? What did I just say? Uh, woman only screening for this one movie. Every other movie, every other movie, you've had the opportunity to go see every other one, and you'll see every other one after this. But because of this one, you because have of this Batman. one, and it's not, it's not even like, it's not even like the women-only screenings were the only screenings of the film. They were just extra screenings only for women. 
You understand what I'm saying? It's like, like I can understand if in the first two weeks the only people allowed to buy tickets for the film were women. I can understand if that was a no, one hundred percent. But this was one night screen <laughs> yeah, in yeah. one theater in one city, it's ridiculous in one part of the world. It's ridiculous, and you know that that's a bunch of a bunch of um incels, I guess, uh, on the it, internet getting no, all if crazy. You look at it like that, it's 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 incel nature. It's just. It is disgusting because I'm listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that I couldn't understand what some people are going, what some people's mindsets were going through. But I could also say I don't agree with it. I can understand you and still think you're a freaking idiot. Yeah. Yeah. It was one theater in one city in one state of one continent in one part of the goddamn world. And that was this it. world is big. And it was a one. It was one night. That was let them let, let and if anything, you guys should guys should be of should have been more open to the idea of women being able to go to see a comic book movie without having to deal with their jarring nerdy boyfriend yeah. and just enjoy a movie to for for a movie and if they like the source material enough, they can go and find it on their own and pick up a new 52 Wonder Woman story. That's what the run. whole thing is about, man. That's what this <laughs> like, so these comic right? book movies have always been about is introducing the, the world at large to these characters in order to garner interest for their for their continued adventures in print. That's all it's ever been. And uh, I don't know I don't know what people's problem is. And speaking of people having problems, Filmmaker James Cameron, known for his movies that feature strong female action heroes, drew the ire of many Wonder Woman fans when he claimed that the film, while good, wasn't particularly groundbreaking and even a step backwards because of the way it sexualized its main character to appeal to teenage boys. He, el- he elaborated by saying that putting a former model, Gal Gadot, in a skimpy, form-fitting costume had already been done in the 1960s. Uh, director Patty Jenkins retorted by saying that it should make no difference what Wonder Woman looks like. Being strong is not a privilege of hard, tough, and troubled women, so she has the right to be beautiful, attractive, and powerful at the same time. Cameron stuck to his opinion, stating that he had previously or purposely desexualized Sarah Connor in Terminator 2 to focus on her personality rather than her looks, although he admitted that his initial reaction was probably a little bit simplistic. Bullshit! Bullshit! Bullshit. Listen, this is the kind of man who talks shit about making uh, comic book movies and then makes a manga movie. You know what I'm saying? So, you know how I feel about James Cameron. It's his war against comic book films. It's just he has this war against comic book films. Oh, my God. Did he literally just say that I desexualized Sarah Connor? No, you know what he did, Dan? You know what he did? He just mansplained to Patty Jenkins about the portrayal of powerful female women. No, 100%. No, no. <laughs> he just 100%. explained to her. I don't think you understand this, Patty Jenkins, of the female gender. But women. But this is what women should be <laughs> represented for like. women. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Yeah. Why does James Cameron exist? I hope one of his deep sea submersibles uh, loses a screw or something. You know, what the and, greatest, and <laughs> you know what the greatest thing about this world is? The greatest what? thing in the world up until this point, this day and time, is that James Cameron, after fucking like 20 years, no longer holds the fucking reign for the highest grossing movie of all time. A comic book movie does. Exactly. But 
my man's wrapping up for six Avatar sequels, so we'll see. But hopefully, but hopefully, this will be the only thing I hope for. Hopefully, theaters ain't open up back then. Yo, let theaters close forever. At that's this point. it. Listen, listen. I, that's a war. Avatar, that's a war I have to win. See, war is dirty, people. That's what this film is about. War. Everybody is dirty. has casualties in war. Sometimes the concession stands lose. But it's funny because after its opening domestic weekend, the film immediately became the highest grossing film about World War One, the first uh, to gross over a hundred million well, on the subject. Okay, hold on. I don't mean to be an that asshole. Yeah. But as a film enthusiast, I'm gonna be that asshole. Every war movie that ever fucking existed, except for maybe a handful... Are about World War II. Or the Vietnam War. Yeah. That's it. Because those, because those you can Revolution. paint... Because those you can paint evil, easy villains. The Nazis. The Koreans. Yeah. You know, you, 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 uh, you know the Vietnamese in the jungle. Charlie. All that kind of stuff. The Russians, right? The Ruskies. The Cold War. Um, this we were we were friends with some of these countries. We're friends with some of these countries now, that we fought in, in the first world and, war. And you know what's the so, funniest part is a lot of these countries that we were allies with, we were against yeah. twenty years later in the next world war. Which is what Chief talks about, right? Wasn't the Russians are on our side in World War One? If I'm not mistaken, probably weren't we? Yeah, I think we were the Allied powers. Like that. That's what I'm saying. Like this was this was was like. 10, 15 years before the Soviet Union right. came to power. Right. So this was before Marx and, you but know, then the Lenin Union, and Trotsky but then and all Ma- that. Then the Soviet Union would link up with the Socialist, you know, National Socialist Party in Germany and, yeah. Yeah. A lot, yeah, lot got, of bad you things You the CCP and all that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we were, that's what, so, and yet, uh, uh, Nani, or if that's his name, I, I'm, I'm just going to call him the, the wise Native American. Right. The wise Native American was right. It's like, yo, and who cares what this war is, because the next war is probably going to be different. <laughs> right, right. Who knows who will be uh, fighting alongside then. Um, with, oh. an, with an opening gross of over $103.3 million from 4165 theaters this film marked the highest u.s opening for a female director previously this record was held by what dan what for highest female director yeah i'm pretty sure Catherine. the high not uh Catherine. oh god you're never gonna get it it was 50 shades of gray directed by sam taylor johnson in 2015 really yep that was the oh record my previous. god I was really going with fucking Catherine Bigelow for. I was say you. I was gonna say you, you. You was about to come up with like a real movie, like a like a film. I was. Go- I was going to say. I was actually gonna say Catherine Bigelow with Zero Dark Thirty, which That's is funny. a war movie on our not current but our last previous Iraqi war. Let's or, uh, whatever the words is. I don't know. <laughs> the right, right, right. Let's end this talking about Gal. Um, Gal- let's 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 talk about this perfect specimen. <laughs> Gal Gadot got her part shortly after she decided to give up on acting, being unsuccessful at landing roles and tired of regularly taking fifteen-hour planes back to Israel. However, it's not her fault. She was like she literally had her debut in Fast and the Furious, and she got typecasted after that. She was just that pretty girl in the background. She was no, she she literally was just that pretty girl in the background that gets like no line of dialogue. Right. 
Um, however, when she was invited for a screen test, she was not told what the film was about, and she agreed as a kind of final fling before she quit. The screen test consisted largely of reading related, uh, relatively anonymous dialogue, and she left afterwards to return to Israel. However, she received a call back, and only then was she told that she was shortlisted to play Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot was floored. You imagine yeah, right? as a, on a woman. On, on a, and not on a, on, a, on a whim, right? Quitting. I was going to do this bullshit uh, audition. If she was happens, literally, happens. yeah, she quitting acting. You know? Like, yo, she was on her way back home. Like, I'm just going to be a model again. And she was a, wasn't she a soldier? Yes, in the Israeli army. So like, oh my God, she was literally the perfect Wonder Woman. Well, well, well then, well, uh, Gal was floored at the idea of playing the iconic superhero and she eagerly agreed to participate further. She trained for nine months to gain 17 pounds of pure muscle, though it didn't show in the final film and many fans felt like she looked too thin to play the character. Yeah, bullshit. The fans that think that she looked too thin for Wonder Woman have obviously never actually watched any of the animated Wonder Woman, where that woman is depicted as slender. Oh, but that's all. That's athletic. all. Tim. That's all. Tim. Uh, Bruce Tim's women, right? They're all like skinny waist. Uh, yeah, big you eyes. know what? I'm not gonna front. That is Bruce Tim's women. Yeah, he like you know. It's it, it, it's but style. they're realistic women. You can't. They lie come in. All, they not... come in all shapes and sizes. I do. I did hear. I do remember hearing from a lot of different people that they thought that she would be more muscular. And I guess in the I guess in the year that it came out, and then the year that we are now, the year of our Lord twenty twenty, um, we've seen now the advancement of musculature in women, and maybe oh, that please. maybe look, people thought people she thought like Ronda Rousey. No, I mean Ronda's. I, I was thinking like more like cyborg. Like I think like you know something like a, a little bit more hard with the muscles. Like, like no, just, they wanted a China type. An actually diesel out muscle head woman, right? In that Wonder Woman outfit. No matter what would have happened, no matter what this film would have done, the a certain gender would have gotten upset. And no matter what. And I, I don't mean to stoke the fires, but like some of that anger towards Gauss feels like I hate to say this word, but I loved it when I first heard it. Um hot shaming? Like it's hot like, shame. Like, sh- like she's wow. not she oh, this, she's she's a pretty woman. She doesn't. She that's not no one's fault. Walking down the street. <laughs> yeah, she's a prim, she's a pretty woman, and that's nobody's fault. But um, people kind of blame her for not looking like looking too pretty in this role, and How that's a that weird. Possible. That's a weird. No, I I I get it, but I don't agree with it. It's like you were talking about before, right? Yeah. No. One hundred percent. Like if you in your head you you saw somebody else, and then you know you see gal. She again. Is I think unanimously gorgeous. <laughs> I'm almost certain. And I so depending sure on that, Gail right. Gadot is literally the perfect person to have played Wonder Woman. I, like, I so I guess that the the argument is that she is distractingly gorgeous. Ah, uh, as opposed to being for like the first thing that you notice is like she's fit. It's like oh my gosh, she's gorgeous. Oh yeah, and she's fit. Yeah, but Lynn. Linda Hamilton was the woman that uh, James Cameron did not sexualize. In, in, uh, uh, my ass didn't sexualize. That's why he gave a sex scene with Kyle Reese. Ah, listen, Reese, uh, Reese's Pieces. That's what, that's what that was about. Reese's Pieces that's what that and was peanut about. butter cups. Um, I like All that. I know is Linda I, Carter was perfect. And she had some muscles. She wasn't muscular. She, she was tall, mu- though. She was tall, though. 
she was, t- you know what the thing was? She wasn't tall because if you look at torso to, to head top, she was normal. She had long head, legs. Head, head top. I'm, head top. I'm, it's, I'm coining that word. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, yeah, hot shaming and, and a head top. Oh, from the Major <laughs> Issues podcast. Yo, are we trying to get canceled this episode? I thought we were empowering the women. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit, and then I'm going to get into some feedback that we got, and then uh, we'll wrap this up. But the last thing I wanted to talk about was, um, I already talked about Gal being pretty damn uh, distractingly gorgeous. Um, do I, We watch a lot of television, Dan, me and you. We talk about a lot of television, you know, and we often talk about... Uh, the Jims and Pams of the world, the Leslie and Bens of the world, these couples that are on screen. Uh, and in, in the in the words, in the wise words of Billy Butcher, they, they're fucking, aren't they? <laughs> they're fucking. Because those two, man, the looks that they were giving each other, and there's a specific, uh, there's a specific like clip from an interview where he's talking and she's looking at him and she's biting her lip and then catches herself and puts her head down. And I'm like, there is something, something's going on here. And the thing is, this is her biggest film. This is all about her. I could totally see him being mesmerized by that, but also, he has way more acting experience. You understand? So it's like the perfect match of like, alpha males together in this this instance, and two gorgeous people. I totally think something was going on between them. And if they wasn't, then I praise both actors because it made me feel like that, that's what listen, the case was. Listen, if there was if there was any two actors that I would genuinely want to be a couple because I feel like they would just be perfect together, it would be old Gail and Chris. Okay. Yeah. I would I, I there was there was just something maybe it was just the perfect acting of Gail Godot, the perfect directing of Patty Jenkins. It was everything together just coming perfect. It was just their chemistry on screen was just immaculate. Yeah. Their chemistry was perfection. Uh, so via uh, Sean Skaggs on Facebook, he says that uh, Wonder Woman was a fun flick, never boring, good pacing, great acting, it hit all the right buttons. It's right up there with Man of Steel as the best DC movie. Oh, are we are we reading fan feedback? Yes, I am. Oh, I'm gonna let me let me pull up a chair because this is monumental. Go ahead. Um, and we also have one from uh, Nadia Hagen. I hope I'm saying that right. Beautiful name. Uh, she said she pers- she personally didn't care for it, considering she grew up watching the TV show with Linda Carter and Lyle Wagner from the late 70s, early 80s, which from memory said nothing about her relationship to the Greek gods. Then with the animated series of Justice League, it tied into that as well, but she really wasn't a super nice, adorable, bubbly person on, in that series. Um, this Wonder Woman was indeed beautiful, but it didn't. I didn't like the ending with Steve Trevor. Their relationship felt rushed, and I, you know, in in response, um, I said that I think that a lot of this has to deal with how you're first introduced to the character. I honestly believe that um, the first thing that you see is going to be that's going to be your image of that character in your mind, especially if you like it, especially if you loved the first incarnation. Somebody's first Batman movie is Batman and Robin. You understand? And that's just the case. I love Batman Returns. That was my first Batman movie. People hate oh, that no, I'm, movie. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely all for the the opinion. Like, all right. So, like, like you say, when you have a certain idea of a character and they and it finally becomes live action, you know, that's that's your idea. That's what you believe. Yeah. That's that's your bread and butter. So if it's 
So if something is just a little different for you, then, you know, yeah, I can, I can totally understand it. So, you know, I, I love the opinion. I love the fact that this, this person has the same name as the character from what we do in the shadows. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you caught that, but yeah, her Nadia. name is Nadia. Yes, yeah. it, it's fantastic. Um, it is, thank, it thank you guys, great. thank you guys for. I figured I get one from both sides of the aisle, so we can see. You know how this movie affected a bunch oh, of people. And, yeah, I, and you guys see that you now that you're listening, you see that we do this now. Like we will read your. We we said it. Yeah. For how long? We said <laughs> yeah. this for a very very long time now. You give feedback, we will read it. That's how you. That's the quickest way for you guys to get on episodes like this. Is we want you guys to join the conversation, um, and hopefully so, you guys will next week when we tackle um, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four for I Christmas. I can't wait to see that. I'm, I'm literally once it, it, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna check the time on on Christmas Eve. The second it hits Christmas Day, twelve a.m. I'm gonna check. Uh, it, it feels it feels like it's been so long, man. They showed all those trailers, got us all hyped for the summer release. It's been then, it's been like three years. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's literally been three years since the first. No, one. it's literally been but, three three and a half but, years. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, it's it's been bananas, and I know that movie's gonna tear it up. Um, I was thinking of going. I was thinking of going. I was thinking of going predictions, but I don't really really care to predict it. I really just want to see if, it. If I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm I'm kind of feeling the same way about this. Like I. I, I didn't see every trailer. Right. I kind of wanted to stay away from most trailers, but the one trailer I did end up catching was from DC Fandom because I did watch DC. I, I, yeah, you were with, you were, you with me. <laughs> yeah, I, that, was, that was the first day we got to you know hang out past social distancing. So it's right. like I ended up watching DC Fandom the entire drive to your place. So it's like, don't worry, guys. I wasn't driving and watching TV at the same time. It's not me. <laughs> But you know, so yeah, I saw that one trailer, and I'm like, "Damn, they got Cheetah, and she's full glory Cheetah." Yeah, like, like, like they got her. Yeah, you like, can't I, beat you can't I, beat that. I personally, like, you, as a comic book fan, like, I'm hype. Really, really, um, you know, a big villain in Wonder Woman's lore. So it's great to see that she's finally coming to the silver and screen. And they got Kristen. Yeah, of all people, but I, we've seen oh we've seen how God. some of these comedic actors can make that turn. Oh so I know she, I know Barbara's story, Barbara Minerva, Cheetah's story in the comics is extremely tragic, and I I see them going that same route in this. So I I'm oh, I can't and wait. Kristen Wiig can just I when I when I see Kristen Wiig in this role before she's full fledged Cheetah, I see it as and I hate to admit it, but he kind. Both of these act, both of these characters are kind of like you know perfect examples of Electro from Amazing Spider-Man Two and Edward Nigma from Batman Forever, or Selena Kyle from Batman Returns, or even Pamela Isley from Batman and Robin. But I said this. You remember me making this joke that every all oh, they all have glasses, and then when they, they when they all, all go have, evil, they oh all lose God, their glasses. They all have and then when they go evil, when they go evil, everyone's sight is corrected. I don't understand what happens, but that's just a power. And Jamie Foxx gets his gap fixed, so that was a whole thing there. But that that's... was a that was my favorite one. How he ended up getting his gap fixed, and that was a big gap too. It's absolutely ridiculous. But you know, we don't have a single gap when it comes between the weeks that we produce this podcast. We've been how producing do you do it. Any segue? Do you you, you <laughs> have to you have to write these gaps? How I didn't know There's you were going to no say. You... I didn't know we were going to talk about Electro's gap. <laughs> I, I, it's just how do you I know we, we didn't plan talking about Electro's Gap team so it's like how do you do these it's just, it's, it's, that's my power you, but it's that's just, my superpower 
Uh, yeah, we, we, we've been doing this uh, for now three years, over 100 episodes, hitting countries I never thought we would hit. We're, 40, uh, you know. we're about 40 weeks, less than 40 weeks away from 200 episodes. Yes, which is, I mean, you guys got to be on board for that. But um, we do all of it free of charge and we do it, like I said, we haven't missed a single week, even with the pandemic, uh, even with the shutdowns, with everything going on. We love doing this. We honestly do. It makes us, it brings us joy. Oh, this is my, this is the only thing I'm have to, to be proud of, like. I know that's sad, but still, I'll be honest with the fans. Like, I'm proud of this. Yeah, and I, and and I am too. And we we put in the work. We do the research. We want to entertain you guys, but also inform you guys. That's what Comic Book Click is all about. And we will continue to provide uh, the Major Issues podcast free of charge. But, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, talk to you guys about a little something because you can find every single episode of the Major Issues podcast at ComicBookClick.com. But if you go to ComicBookClick.com right now you will see a support comic book click button. If you hit that button, it will lead you to the CBC Clubhouse, the exclusive Patreon VIP club for comic book click fans, major issues fans, and fans of everything that we do as part of the click. Um, right up, I'm sorry, up there now at as little as the $3 tier, you get our first episode of CBC Commentaries where me and Dan... Uh, have some drinks and talk Dark Phoenix. We commentate over Dark Phoenix. The only way to talk Dark Phoenix, really. Yes, it is the only way to, to to talk Dark Phoenix. And just like the Grinch, this you know talking about all this love with Gal Gadot and getting ready for the um, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. I feel like my heart has grown two sizes, uh, you know, since we first started to talk. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this right now, when this comes out, this episode comes out. I am releasing the Dark Phoenix commentary free of charge, ladies and gentlemen. Free of charge for one week. For one week. It's a Christmas miracle. Yes, for one week. God bless us. God bless (laughs) us, everyone. God bless us, everyone. So, that means from the 23rd of December all the way to the 30th, right before the uh, New Year's Eve, you'll be able to listen to us commentate over Dark Phoenix free of charge. Uh, you can, you know, put it on your phone, put it in your headphones and watch the film on television or on your laptop. It's the best way to have us right there, uh, you know, joshing about some of these uh, films. And we're going to be producing more of this. But I figured the best way to give back in this giving season is to give you guys the best sneak peek at the kind of content that we're going to produce under those tiers of uh, uh, CBC Clubhouse. So make sure that you guys check that out. And all your support is always appreciated and welcome it's it's what keeps the lights on here besides that you can find the major issues podcast wherever podcasts are found it's stitcher podbean podcast addict the apple podcast app google podcast uh did i say apple podcast we're there too spotify tune find youtube literally wherever podcasts are found you can just hit up google and type in major issues podcast and we're like the eight first you searches literally type in comic book <laughs> click no seriously yeah. I've, I've done this myself you go to google you type in comic book click one word bam yeah i'm so proud Everything. of that i'm like super i know it's so silly you know but i'm so proud of that i've been busting my ass for five years with this brand uh coming on five years on uh, in april um and you guys have have made it uh, worthwhile. So thank you guys for so much for that. But yeah, that's the quickest way to find us. And if you type in comicbookclick.com, odds are you'll find us on social media, which is where we want to continue conversations like this. Maybe we got this movie completely wrong. Hit us up and let us know. When 
push comes to shove and Wonder Woman 1984 comes out, I will be panhandling for some opinions on the film. So uh, make sure that you guys reach out on social media when you see us reach out and let us know how you feel so you can have your opinion read here live on the podcast, which is always a great way to be interactive and join the conversation when it comes to all this stuff. Also, um, if you don't mind, I would like to give a couple of fan shout outs to ahead, fans man. that asked to be sh- shouted out on the episode. I'm with it. Let's do it. So I'm going to give a nice little fan shout outs to a fan named Mark R. Hey, Mark. Thank you. A thank fan you. named Donna R. Donna R. And oh, a fan named Hannah H. Hannah H. These are great people. These are these are God loving people. And that's why that's I why I love it all. That's why uh, that's why we do things like that. So. Uh yeah, look at that. We got we got fans being shouted out. We have fan feedback, and hopefully you guys are going to facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, and using the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issues CBC on Twitter, and I believe you have an Instagram you want to give out there, Dan. My Instagram, ladies and gentlemen, the easiest and quickest way to communicate with me is Dan's Comics CBC. That is D A N S C O M I C S C B C. Yeah. Also, if you want all my funny content, you can also add me on TikTok. I'm at Film Freak CBC. So that is definitely a nice little way to. Yeah. Because I throw some. You can see you can see the other side of Dan the Comic Man while he sprinkles in some occasional. Uh, CBC content, which is fantastic. Like I said, we're, we're all many sides to different coins here, and that's what I love about the Click the Family. Uh, we're all here for all of that. And like I said, follow us everywhere. Uh, we're going to be the latest and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media because I've been to the future. That's exactly what we do. So make sure that you're liking, sharing, and subscribing, telling a friend to tell a friend, rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't like and change accordingly. Jump on the bandwagon before the bandwagon gets completely full. And thank you truly, each and every one of you who wrote in, who uh, you know, who have been touting our praises. We will continue to provide the content that we will provide, but also some exclusive content via CBC Clubhouse. But my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the comic book manness. And remember, whether you're an American spy working for a British intelligence, a Greek god with a chip on his shoulder... General Red Herring who's snorting super cocaine or (laughs) or the princess of a beautiful nation of warriors. Remember, only love can truly save the world. Remember, we are the clique and remember you, yes you are worthy.